In the book of James, the Bible says we are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Barbara Rainey says she doesn't see that being lived out today in a lot of marriages. We are so quick as women to say exactly what we think, exactly how we feel, without much regard for how that impacts him or other people for that matter. We have a real high value in our culture today on being truthful, on saying what we think, but we don't have an equally high value on saying it in love, and it affects our marriages. We all say things in our marriages that we probably shouldn't say. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. Would your marriage be different, be better, if you slowed down and didn't speak as thoughtlessly as you sometimes do? We're going to hear from Barbara Rainey on that today. Stay with us. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. Most of the time, I am uh, glad our program is radio and not television. That way I can wear pajamas to the studio if I want to, and nobody knows whether I'm... You have never done that. <laughs> Except all of in us in the studio would know. 24 years. <laughs> you should try it sometime. <laughs> well, I'd have to go buy a pair of pajamas oh. first before I did that. But there are days when you think the visual would be helpful. And actually, what we're going to hear today... Of you and your pajamas? I'm, st- I'm not no, getting not beyond that. that. Not sorry. that visual. There's a different visual here, and it involves your wife, who is joining us again. Welcome back to Family Life Today, Barbara. Thanks, Bob. You had an opportunity not long ago to speak to a group of wives and moms. You were talking uh, from the book you've written, Letters to My Daughters, and you did something unique as you mm-hmm. began this message that we really can't. We we can't show it on radio no. the way we wish we could. I wish we could show it. It actually was quite fun. So what we did is I set up an artist easel on the stage with a large canvas. I had two uh, wooden pallets, and I invited a, a woman to help me do this, someone that I'd never met before, someone who has an interest in art. So I wasn't asking someone to do something that would be totally foreign to her. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, we didn't really talk this through ahead of time. And on this easel, I I did tell her ahead of time, here's what I want us to do. You and I are going to paint something. We had the easel turned away from the audience so they couldn't see it. And I told the audience that each of us had a palette in our hands with different colors. She had five colors and I had five colors. We had two that were the same, but the other four were each different. And that was to illustrate for the audience that a husband has responsibilities in marriage that are different than a wife. And a wife has responsibilities that are different than the husband. Both of us are commanded to love. That was the color we had in common. And in that illustration, the love was the color white. We both had the color white. And so we went to work painting, much like you do in a marriage. I didn't know her very well, and she didn't know me. And that's very much like a marriage when it begins. We think we know each other, but we don't know each other at all. And so... I'm wondering if you whispered to her what you were going to paint. 
No. I, well, I did tell her what shape I wanted us to paint, but I was not talking to her as we painted. I was talking to the audience, and I was explaining one of the colors on my husband's palette is live with your wife in an understanding way. He's been commanded to do that, but that doesn't mean that I'm not supposed to be understanding of him. And so as this woman and I painted this image on this canvas, I was explaining that principle. And so I reached over and I got some of her yellow Hmm. off of her palette, and I put some yellow on my half of the painting. And so for about 10 minutes, we worked on this painting, and it was a painting of a heart. And she did one half and I did one half. And they were very different. And yet there were some similarities between them because we were both painting the same picture. And then when we finished, we turned it around and showed the audience. And the the whole idea was to help create a visual so women could see that God's idea for marriage was to create a masterpiece, to create a painting that was unique from every other couple's painting on the planet. So the painting that Dennis and I create and our marriage is going to be very different than the painting you and Marianne create. So that opening illustration, quite literally an illustration, mm-hmm. uh, set up the rest of what you wanted to talk about. And that's what our listeners are going to get a chance to hear today, how you took that opening illustration and explained to young wives what the marriage masterpiece is supposed to look like. My husband and I could not be more different. And we still run into that even after 40 years of marriage. I made a list of all the ways that we're different, and this is just a start. My husband thinks globally. He's always thinking in the big picture. And I think locally. I think about my home. I think about my neighborhood. I think a lot smaller than he does. That's a big difference in the two of us. My husband is spontaneous. I am a planner. And that's a big clash in our marriage oftentimes. One of the ways that's a big clash in our marriage is anytime we travel by car, my husband's way of packing the car is to just get everything that's going to go and just throw it in there. It's going with us, right? Does it matter what order it's in? And the answer is yes. (laughs) Yes. You put the big suitcases on the bottom and then the smaller ones and then the tiny ones on top and you're careful with the things that could break and you organize things just so in the car. Lots of clashes in our marriage because he's spontaneous and I'm a planner. He is an extrovert and I am an introvert. He is a road runner and I am a homebody. He would be on the road all the time if he could. But I have been the one who has sort of pulled him back and said, no, we're going too much. We can't go anymore. And sometimes that's been a stress for him. Sometimes he hasn't liked that. But it's been a good balance in our marriage. He's a people person, I'm a task person. He loves to hunt and fish, and I love art and beauty. He's a random thinker, I think sequentially in order. His love language is the physical, my love language is words. He processes information quickly, I process information slowly and methodically. Rules to him are guidelines. (laughs) Rules to me are to be kept. He thinks with the big picture and the general idea is good enough. I'm a perfectionist. Details matter and accuracy is important. Now that's just a summary. There are lots more differences between us. And as a result of all those differences, we both hurt one another and we suffer and our brokenness makes life difficult for the other person. Another thing that has been just this little irritant for me for years is that when my husband comes home from work, 
in the afternoon or in the early evening, sometimes it's later in the evening, his office is literally six steps inside the front door on the left. But instead of going into the office to deposit his things, he walks past his office, around the corner, into the kitchen, and at one end of the island goes the backpack, and then the keys, and then his stack of papers, and all the way down the island are all of his things. And I just, for a long time, that just used to drive me crazy. I thought, seriously? Your office is right there. It's all yours. The whole room is yours. You can put it all in there any way you want to put it in there. But the island is where we live. It's where we cook. And his stuff is all the way down. And one day I thought, you know, there will probably come a day when I will wish his stuff was all over the island. Because I would rather have him and his stuff all over the island than not have him at all. So I finally backed off and said, you know what, who cares? So I'm just constantly moving stuff away when it's time to cook and clean so it doesn't get all ruined. What I want you to do real quick is remember this, first of all. Differences have a divine purpose. We tend to look at the differences as irritants, as things that we would like to do away with or change, but differences have a divine purpose. Secondly, every couple struggles with unhealthy comparisons. We are always looking at other wives. We're always looking at other husbands. We're always looking at other marriages. And we think that we're short on something. And it reminds me of what happened with Eve. I think that's what happened with Eve. She compared herself because she listened to the enemy. And she compared herself with God and thought, he's got something I don't have. And it's not fair. And that's where it all began. And I think we're dealing with it still today. All right, number three. Every couple has a unique calling. Within the form and the shape that God has designed for marriage, God has purposes that he wants to do with your marriage that are different than your neighbors or your friends or your next-door neighbor or your sister. God has a unique calling for every single marriage. One of the reasons that I chose this um, board is because it reminds me of my friend Donna, who lives in Alaska. Donna is a homeschooling mom. She cooks all her own food. She can. She does all these very domestic, feminine-sounding activities. But Donna also packs heat. Donna also knows how to kill a bear. Donna also knows how to repair an engine on all kinds of vehicles. Donna knows how to do things that most of us in this room have never even thought about doing. But Donna has a unique calling in her marriage because she's married to a man who's a bush pilot and they own a lodge in the wilderness in Alaska. That's not God's calling for my life. It's not his calling for your life. It is his calling for her life. And she is embracing it and she is saying, thank you, God, for what you have called me to do. I have another friend who lives in um, New Zealand. She is married to a man who has been on dialysis for 20 years. That is not my calling. It's probably not most of your calling either. But God has called Nikki to be married to Andy and to live with him in the, in the real extreme challenges that he has to face every day because he doesn't have kidneys that work. So I don't know what it is about your marriage that is unique, that God has placed in you for his purposes, but you do. And our responsibility is to identify that and see what God wants to do because he has a story to tell with you and your husband that he can't tell with anybody else. Ephesians 5 tells us that marriage is a mystery because it's a picture of Christ and the church. 
I want you to think about your marriage for just a second. What is the purpose? What is that thing that God has for you to do that no one else can do? If you know Christ, all of us have the purpose of sharing him and making him known with other people. If you have children, your purpose is to raise them. But beyond those first two that are common to all of us, what is the purpose that God has for your marriage that nobody else has? Are you in the military? Do you work in a church? Are you in medicine? Is your husband or you, are you in medicine? Maybe that's your mission. That's a part of your mission and your call in the uniqueness of your marriage. Marriage is not about your happiness, but it's about your holiness and it's about God's glory. And when we spend our time comparing with one another and being in, in, uh, ungrateful for our differences, then we're missing the picture that God wants to create with our marriage. So the first tip I wanted to give you is listen to the artist of your marriage. The second one is I want you to listen to the author of your marriage story, and that's the Holy Spirit. So God is the one who designed this concept and created this image of marriage, and he's got a purpose for your marriage. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes it work. He's the one who is orchestrating your story. Who created your marriage? It was God himself. And who brought you two together as husband and wife? God brought you together as husband and wife, didn't he? Well, he is the one who knows how to make it work. There's a story in the book of John uh, about Jesus. And it, the story is like, goes like this. Jesus was at home, and his brothers were there, and it was the time for the feast. And the feast came, and it was one of the feasts when everyone, all the men had to go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And his brothers came to him and said, it's time for the feast, we're going, and you need to come too. And Jesus said, it's not my time yet. And they said, but you need to show yourself. People need to know who you are. You need to come where everyone is and make yourself known. And Jesus said, no, it's not my time. That always puzzled me because in the very next verse, after the, after the brothers left, Jesus got up and went. And I never understood why did Jesus not go in the beginning when they asked him to go if he was going to go ahead and go anyway, right? It just didn't make sense to me. Um, but then I found the answer one day, and it's in um, John 8, 28. Just a few verses later, Jesus said, in verse 28, he said, I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak the things that the Father has taught me. And then in verse 29, he said, he has not left me alone, speaking of the Father, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And when I finally thought about that verse for a minute, I mean, it just was really stunning to me and still is. Jesus said, I do nothing apart from the Father. Now, I want you to think for a minute as a wife. How many things do you do apart from the Father? Hmm. How many things do you do on your own? It's a hard question, isn't it? How many times do we speak on our own initiative? How many times do we say what we want to say on our own initiative without listening to the Father, without listening to the Spirit say, should I say this to my husband? Is this the right thing for me to tell him? Should I keep my mouth shut? Jesus didn't go to the feast because the Father didn't tell him to go to the feast. He waited until he got permission from God, and then he went the next day. And what that tells me as a wife is, is I need to be listening to the Holy Spirit 
and saying what he wants me to say, not saying what I want to say. We are so quick as women to say exactly what we think, exactly how we feel, without much regard for how that impacts him or other people for that matter. We have a real high value in our culture today on being truthful, on saying what we think. But we don't have an equally high value on saying it in love and on self-restraint. Neither one of those are virtues that we're lifting up in our culture today. We're lifting up one without the other. And it affects our marriages. We all say things in our marriages that we probably shouldn't say. There is forgiveness, so I don't want anybody to think that we're, we're talking about perfection because it can't happen. But the point is, is we need to be growing as women in learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit and what he says. I want to read you a couple, uh, short paragraph out of my book on the Holy Spirit. Now that we've traveled 40 years of marriage by faith, I've come to realize that the Holy Spirit is my dearest friend. He is misunderstood and neglected and often ignored, but this greatest gift to those of us who believe is the one who has helped me most become who I am today. It is because of him that our marriage has survived and not died. It is because of him that our marriage thrives even today. He has whispered truth to me and guided me to the best paths. He has given me wisdom when I asked. He has gently nudged me to speak, and at other times he has nudged me to be quiet. When I have listened to his leading, I have never, ever been sorry. When I haven't listened, I've had regrets, and plenty of them. Following the Holy Spirit has been slow and arduous, not because he is not a good leader, but because I'm not a good follower. Whispers require attentiveness, and the Holy Spirit whispers to us, which I love. Sometimes I wish he'd be a little louder, so I could really be sure I'm hearing him. But he doesn't yell at us. He's not in your face. He whispers because he wants us to pay attention to his voice, and we need to learn to hear his voice. Whispering requires attentiveness, and understanding means learning his language. We need to know how he speaks. If you're not there yet, be patient with yourself, because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and you will too in time. So it's a growing thing to learn to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Number three, listen to God's truth about you and your marriage. The overriding lesson that I want to share with you from 40 years of marriage is this. God is faithful, and he will give us what we need to rise above any challenge if we ask him and if we wait for him to provide. I think we're way too impatient in this culture. I think social media has robbed us and the internet of our patience. I get so impatient when I try to go online and find something and it's not there that fast. And I think that seeps over into my relationship with God. It seeps over into my marriage. I want things fixed now. I want God to tell me what to do now. I want God to take care of this right now. And God says, wait. Wait on me. And waiting is so very challenging and hard. Every marriage will have repeated difficulties and opportunities to give up. And giving up doesn't mean divorce necessarily, although it can. Giving up also means just retreating and saying, I quit. I'm not going to try anymore. That's also giving up. And when we pull back and we say, I'm not going to try anymore, then a piece of the marriage has been walled off. A piece of who you are has been closed, and the marriage is going to slowly begin to die. 
I got a text from my daughter the other day. I was going to read it to you, but it'll take too long to pull it up. Impatient, right? <laughs> but she wrote that just a few days ago, and this is a daughter that lives in another state, not Ashley, who's here with me. She said, oh, she wrote out, arg, marriage is so hard. She said, I'm having such a struggle today, and it's so hard. She said, will you pray for me? And I did. And it's just true. We all have those days, don't we, when marriage just feels impossible. It's impossible to understand this man. It's impossible to live with this man. It's impossible, the situation that we find ourselves in. But I want to encourage you not to quit and give up when you run into those impossibilities in your marriage, because you're going to keep running into those impossibilities in your marriage. They aren't going to go away. You're going to keep running into them. And if you quit on your marriage, you're interrupting the process of what God wants to do. If we'll just wait, he will produce the beauty and the hope that we long for in our marriages. One of my very favorite verses that I have loved um, for decades is in Luke 137. That verse comes in the story of when um, Gabriel came to visit Mary. And he showed up and he told her that she was going to have a baby. And she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I'm a young girl. How can this possibly be true? And what did he say to her? He said to her, nothing is impossible with God. I have taken that verse to heart for decades because there are lots of times in my marriage when it feels way too hard. It feels impossible. It feels like we'll never get through this rough place. It feels like we'll never come to understanding. We'll never really get to a place of peace again. And I remind myself of this verse. So if we belong to Him, He can make our marriages work. That's the big picture that I want you to hear and understand. If you belong to Him, He is the one who can give you the kind of marriage that you wanted and that you got married for in the first place. And we've been listening to a message by Barbara Rainey. Uh, called The Masterpiece of Marriage, and you just heard her talking about her husband, marriage to an impossible man. <laughs> <laughs> there are times, though, that the two of you working on the same painting have uh, have not always painted oh, it exactly the same, right? More than a few times. And, uh, you know, it, it is interesting, though, if you don't quit, uh, the master will cause the image of Christ to emerge from... Uh, the broken palates, the broken people of a husband and a wife in a, a marriage relationship who are committed uh, to one another for a lifetime. Well, and I would imagine, Barbara, that painting side by side with another artist probably makes you a little better in what you do rather than just being on your own and only using your, your gifts and abilities. That's easier for you to say. <laughs> if you knew my artistic abilities, Bob, yeah, if right. I was painting on there. No, 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 no. no. Half finger paint and half, half watercolor, right? <laughs> well, the good news is you had zero to do with the art for uh, Barbara's book, Letters to My Daughters, which we've got in our Family Life Today Resource Center. Uh, listeners can go online to order a copy of Barbara's book. Again, the title is Letters to My Daughters on the Art of Being a Wife. You can order online at FamilyLifeToday.com, or you can call to order at 1-800-FL-TODAY. And uh, if you don't have a copy of the book, I'd encourage you to get it. Maybe you know somebody you'd like to buy a copy for and pass it on to them. Again, go to FamilyLifeToday.com or call 1-800-358-6329. 
That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Now, a happy anniversary today to a couple who've been married 42 years. Dean and Wendy Masinskis, who live in Telford, Pennsylvania, Listen to Family Life today on WDAC. They've been to the weekend to remember. 42 years of marriage as husband and wife. Congratulations to Dean and Wendy. And I hope you have a great celebration of your 42nd anniversary today. At Family Life, we are committed to helping more couples celebrate more anniversaries. We want to effectively develop godly marriages and families because we believe godly families can change the world one home at a time. And we appreciate those of you who invest in the spiritual strength and health of marriages and families by investing in the work of family life. Those of you who are legacy partners and give each month, or those of you who will from time to time make a donation on behalf of those who listen and benefit from this ministry, I just want to express our gratitude for uh, your investment in those marriages and in those families. If you can help with a donation today, we'd love to send you a banner that Barbara Rainey has created for your home that declares that your home is an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. It's a way to remind yourself and others who visit that your ultimate allegiance is to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's our gift to you when you go to familylifetoday.com and make an online donation or when you call 1-800-FL-TODAY and donate over the phone. Or you can mail your donation, along with your request for the banner, to Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas, and our zip code is 72223. Now, tomorrow, we're going to hear from Barbara Rainey as she interacts with a group of moms of teens They have questions about parenting teenagers, and Barbara's got some great answers. We'll hear that tomorrow. Hope you can tune in for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back tomorrow for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.